Hey guys, thanks for joining me for this 23rd episode of Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests for this episode include Ira Rosen. The former producer on 60 Minutes has a brand new book, Ticking Clock, behind the scenes at 60 Minutes. We'll also visit with writer and filmmaker Chris Johnson. Got a new hybrid documentary, Journey to Royal, a World War II movie we'll be talking about. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, leave some feedback, and of course, share with your friends. Well, before we get to the guests, there's a couple of stories that I came across this morning. Thought we might share these with you today. Get like this one. If you're going to fake an excuse to take a day off of work, you've got to at least try to stick the landing. Now, there's a 20-year-old woman named Roberta Clark works as an electrician in Scotland, and last Tuesday, she was at a baby reveal party, texted her boss that she couldn't make it into work because of the snow. Well, then a few seconds later, she meant to text a friend a picture of a huge bottle of champagne she was about to open at the party, but she accidentally sent that picture to her boss instead. Now, she did apologize, and amazingly enough, her boss seemed okay with it, and he told her, that he'd see her tomorrow. And uh, to that, many of us say, oh, if only I had a boss like that. Well, let's go ahead. Our first guest is going to be talking about a brand new book called Ticking Clock. Behind the scenes at 60 Minutes, producer Ira Rosen. First off, Ira, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, listen, thanks so much for having me. Now, you talk about uh, ticking clock behind the scenes at 60 Minutes. I, I mean, Ira, if, did, did you always know that there was a book to be written in in, uh, in your work? Absolutely not. I mean, I was focused on the job. I was focused on telling stories at 60 Minutes. Uh, I never really thought I would end up writing a book. Uh, but over the years, you know, I, I had a lot of idle time on airplanes and, in, you know, in various boring meetings. So I began to take notes, and, um, you know, I kind of put them away and, and gathered the string. Uh, and then when I retired, I kind of decided, you know, why do I want to be selfish and keep all these stories to myself? You know, maybe people could learn something from them or be inspired or, or whatever, and, and I kind of wanted to put it all out there, um, you know, warts and all, if you will. And for for you, what do you think is the biggest misconception? Whenever folks f knew that you were on sixty minutes working, what do you think is the biggest misconception about the process of making sixty minutes? I think a lot of people think that uh, you know producers have preconceived notions, and um, that you go in with you know that you're out to get somebody or whatever. And I think the best producers I've encountered are ones that keep an open mind. Um, I mean, I, there was a producer I, I worked with who I admired and learned from named Joe Wershba, who was one of Edward R. Murrow's original producers. And he did, he was in the movie uh, Hello, Goodnight uh, with um, George Clooney um, and Robert Downey. Uh, he was portrayed in that. And, um, you know, Joe did a story once on this guy, Max Ugell, who was a uh, counterintelligence head of the CIA, who got, kind of got run out of town by the Washington Post. And uh, Joe could have done the story, you know, Max Ugrail is a bad guy. Uh, but Joe didn't. Joe took Max's side and talked about maybe this guy got railroaded wrongly. 
and maybe that was part of the experience of what Joe had gone through um, during the McCarthy period, where people were getting falsely accused. Um, and and I appreciate that. Uh, and and the best journalists look at um, whether somebody is getting falsely accused, and and you know give them their due and, and look at that. Um, you know, so so I think that's a big misconception. And through the time that you spent working at 60 Minutes, I mean, how much did your vision of, of what was news and, and what was newsworthy, how much did that change over, over the span of your career? Well, you know, newsworthiness changes based on the time you, you live in. I mean, today, certainly, you would be doing stories about the pandemic uh, or, or what happened in the Capitol. Um, you know, you, you, 10, 15 years ago, you would not... Um, there were there there were a few people who did the story about the coming plague or something, but it wasn't certainly foremost in your mind or you thought about it. Some people had the vision to do that story. I doubt the book or or the article sold very well, but uh, you know we we used to call those scare stories. Um, but hey, it's a reality story, and um, I think I think that's where you have to sort of have the courage to take on a subject like this. Um, and one of the stories, you know, that I took on that I was really proud of was the opiate epidemic, which I collaborated with with the Washington Post, you know, won every award in the business. And and it wasn't like we are, we're doing a story no one else had done, but we're telling a story in a way that hadn't been told before. So people, for the first time, really understood how corporations and Congress contributed to the spread of the opiate epidemic. Uh, and the story, when it aired, it resulted in the uh, future drug czar of the U.S. Uh, basically uh, being uh, eliminated, if you will. His, you know, he, he withdrew his uh, nomination. And, and Ira, what do you, what do you think it is that sets uh, some of the folks that you worked with as storytellers apart from just a news delivery person, uh, if you will? I think the practice of telling stories you know, among friends, at dinner parties, in bars, uh, to colleagues. Um, you know, the art of storytelling is something which is a practiced art. You just don't say, you know, you know, friends of mine who, who recently retired say, yeah, I'm going to write a novel. And, and I, you just don't sit down and write something short, but it's not going to be a book I want to read. You know, it's kind of like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. So it's, it's the same way. You need to try out things. You need to try stories out. You know, the great comedians like Robin Williams, when he was alive, used to play his act in small little nightclubs where no one could hear, and he'd try out the jokes. And, um, you know, that's what storytelling is about. You, you write it down on a piece of paper, you show it to people, you get some criticism back, um, and so you kind of go from there. Um, you know, so I think that's what makes some of these great correspondents, great storytellers, you know. And again, uh, the the book, Ticking Clock, Behind the Scenes at 60 Minutes. Ira, I want to make sure and let folks know where they can find more about the book and, and everything you've got going social media-wise as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's on Amazon right now. And, um, you know, I'm not quite sure all the places I'm going to be in in the near future. But, but I encourage people to buy it because not not. You know, it's, it's a book written for people not who are just interested in television, but who are interested in kind of good stories. 
That's right. Well, Ira, been a big fan for of your work for many years. Truly appreciate uh, having some time with you this morning, and hope you have a great rest of the week. And uh, hopefully, we'll catch up again real soon. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Well, again, thanks, and uh, check out that book, Ticking Clock, from Ira Rosen. And you know, here's a story for you. If you thought it sounded boring watching YouTube videos of other people playing video games, not exactly sure what you're going to think of this. One of the big new YouTube trends is watching random strangers study. Yes, it's a video of someone sitting there for hours at a time just quietly studying. And they usually don't even acknowledge the camera. Now, the trend started in South Korea, but has spread to other countries, including the U.S. So why do people like these videos, you might ask? Well, one, some people like to put them on while they're studying or working so that they feel like they're not doing it alone and can even get motivated if someone else is working hard. Number two, someone else is uh, struggling to study can also be a reminder that you're not the only one having trouble with work, so again, it's motivational. And three, some people just like them for ambient noise. I guess it feels like being in a library, which can help you get in the right mindset to focus. So yeah, the hottest new YouTube trend, watching videos of strangers silently studying. Our next guest is writer and filmmaker, has a hybrid documentary available now, Journey to Royal. We visit today with Chris Johnson. First off, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, Cameron, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, Chris, tell us where this this story for you, and I know this is uh, this has got a personal flair to it as well. When did uh, when did the idea for the documentary and being involved in it? When was that something that that that, that first came to you, if you will? Well, this uh, it first happened during family reunions back in the day. Uh, Royal's widow uh, would attend family reunions occasionally, and when my cousin, who is Royal's grandson and the spitting image of him, would also show up, she would be moved to tears. And we couldn't mention Royal's name around her uh, because she was she became inconsolable, and I. I was struck by this emotional, you know, this, this response to the absence of this individual 60, 65 years on. And it got me to wondering, who was this person that wasn't in our family anymore that, that moved this, um, this, this woman to tears like this? And so as I began to investigate the history about my great-uncle Royal and his service in the military, um, I knew that there was a, a, a gap in our family, this, this hole from his absence that needed to be filled somehow. And so the idea, you know, I've been in the film industry my entire adult life, and so this, the, the seed was planted um, to, to, to somehow fill in that gap in our family chain by making a picture about it. And it was originally going to be uh, a narrative feature, but uh, one producer, my produce, the producer on the picture, Mariana Tosca, and I, we found the last surviving crew member Royals, Royals, uh, group. And when we had interviewed him, it became very, very clear that the story was the veterans and that they had to tell their story. And so the, that's when the hybrid feature film documentary, uh, format, uh, became apparent to us that that's, 
That's how we had to tell the story. Let the veterans tell their story in their own words and then um, amplify the tense moments of the rescues and some of the events they went through during the war with these these dramatizations that drops the audience right in the, in the plains with them in the open ocean uh, on a B-29 as it's going down. Um, so that, that, that's pretty, that's the history of the picture, essentially. Now for you, what yeah, for was, you, what I, is the biggest challenge, especially uh, with the, with the times we're living in right now, getting the word out and, and also getting the, 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 the final production finalized and, and, and something that you're ready, you're, you're happy with, if you will. Well, Cameron, you know, uh, as we all know, these, these are some trying and strange days. And we worked through uh, the pandemic last year doing the post-production, you know, the finalizing of the edit and the color correction and the sound mix. And those are challenging aspects to, to a picture uh, under normal circumstances. But when you're working through the added barrier of COVID and COVID protections and, and things of that nature, it made it very, very challenging. And, if, and in fact, it delayed uh, it delayed the release of the picture. It was, the picture was supposed to be released on the 75th anniversary of the events depicted in the film and the end of World War II. And because of everything that's been going on in the world, uh, we, along with innumerable other pictures, uh, got pushed back until this year. But uh, it, it was it was it was a challenge. But we knew that th- that there was a finite amount of time to get this out in a time you know in, in a, a timely fashion that would have meaning regarding uh, the end of the war and the events depicted in the film. So we just uh, we just did our best to stick to it in the safest as safest way as possible, and we got through it. Now, what is uh, how much pressure did you put on yourself personally and professionally dealing with it being such a such a close knit story to you personally? Well, the pressure uh, at the beginning of this project, uh, producer Mariana Tosca and I, we made a promise to these vets that we were going to preserve the legacy, their stories, and do everything we could to get them out into the world. And so the pressure wasn't so much self-imposed in terms of, you know, doing a good job and doing all the things that you'd want to do as just a competent practitioner of your, of your art. Uh, the, the, the pressure really came from living up to the high bar set by the sacrifices of these veterans we were talking to. These are, um, these are amazing people. And I know, I, I, I know your, your father had a career in the Air Force, so you have an idea of the kinds of sacrifice and dedication that these people uh, commit themselves to, and so we we just we just felt that we we had to at the bare minimum live up to that, and then everything everything we could do beyond that, uh, you know, that was within our power. Of course, we were, we were going to apply ourselves to make it as high quality and uh, compelling narrative as possible. Their stories, in and of themselves, are compelling. Uh, but our job as filmmakers is to be true to that in a way that is, you know, accessible by audiences who may or may not have an affi- the same affinity for the subject matter. So, we're you know we're we're hoping to be able to bring audiences uh, of all spectrums, and, you know, to, to to ask them to spend 90 minutes of their time hearing about what these amazing veterans did in the service of saving lives uh, in, in World War II. 
And, and Chris, were you were you surprised how much color was still left in the stories as they were being relayed to you, even after as many years had passed? Well, that was something that, despite knowing it, it always took you by surprise. You, we would be sitting across interviewing these veterans, and it was as if their stories had happened last week. And the the heart of these people, uh, they it just envelops you. And so you become, in a way, part of the story. It's very, it's difficult to put into words the way that space in that room has changed when they begin to relay their story. Uh, because they're, they're not anecdotes uh, of everyday life. They're, they're, they're stories of perhaps some of the worst, most um, trying times of many of these people's lives. And it's still emotionally raw. They still, they still remember the losses of, of loved ones and friends and the mistakes. They're, they're still vividly aware of the stakes that were at play during that, that global conflict. And uh, that's what comes out when they're, when they're speaking their, their stories. Uh, and in many cases, their family has asked to be there because, as I'm sure you can imagine, many of these veterans haven't shared their stories before because, well, obvious reasons. You know, it's, it's not something that they did for honor or glory. They did it because um, they needed to set the world back on the right path. That's right. Now, Chris, if, if folks want to find more information uh, about where they can find the documentary and uh, and everything you've got going on social media-wise as well, where's uh, where's the best place to hit that up? Well, we have an official website. It's journeytheroyal.com. And on that website, you can find under the Watch drop-down menu all of the places the film is streaming, where you can uh, purchase Blu-rays or DVDs. There's news about the picture, reviews, press. Uh, the trailer is on there. Uh, the film has an Instagram, Journey to Royal, as well. And uh, you can find both uh, the producer, Mariana Tosca's Instagram, through that uh, Instagram and the website as well, as well as mine. Uh, so everything, everything is on the official website. And we, we certainly hope people will go there and uh, have a look and, and give this, this film a watch. Um, we've done everything we can to be... Is, is true to the stories of these these veterans as possible, and we really we, it's a, it's it's a compelling, moving uh, picture due to the fact that the veterans were so open and, and forthcoming with us. That's right. Again, uh, journey to Royal, a World War II rescue mission. Chris, it has been great to visit with you today. I, I wish you nothing but continued success, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can catch back up and uh, visit again real soon. Cameron, it's been a real pleasure. I appreciate uh, you spending time this morning and uh, and uh, wish you the best in everything as well. Again, find them on Instagram or visit the official website at journeytoroyal.com. Well, before we wrap things up, uh, is there anything that you're never going to do again, even after the, after the pandemic is over? Well, there's a new poll that asks 2,000 people, and here are the top 10 answers. Number one, sharing chapstick. Number two, taking a bite of someone else's sandwich. Number three, trying out makeup samples at a store. Number four is making out with strangers at a bar. Number five, borrowing someone else's bathing suit. Number six, using a friend's makeup. Number seven, standing really close to people in line. Number eight, leaving the house without hand sanitizer. Number nine, 
sharing bags of chips or other snacks with someone you don't live with. And number 10, using someone else's deodorant. And uh, it seems like that might have only made the list because it's something that we didn't do pre-pandemic either. Well, again, thanks for joining me for this 23rd episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole Season 2. If you ever have a comment, question, or anything else you'd like to know, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. If you have a special guest idea, email me, GQwithCam at gmail.com. We've got some exciting news to share in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for that and share with your friends. We're going to let Brandon Allen play us out. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday.